The following sermon is from Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York City at the corner of Fifth Avenue and 55th Street in the heart of Manhattan. We welcome you to worship with our vibrant community of faith. Head to FAPC.org and join our email list and be sure to subscribe to FAPC in New York City, our YouTube channel. And now we invite you to breathe deep and lean into the beauty of worship with Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church. A reading from the Gospel of Matthew. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising, and we have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him, and calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time that the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word so that I also may go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. And on entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening up their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. When I was in seventh grade, I went on my first church trip with the youth group. It was a ski trip to Winter Park, Colorado. Dozens of my peers and I piled onto a charter bus and drove through the night to the mountains, where I spent most of the day rotating between falling and losing my skis with remarkable consistency. It turns out skiing is not my spiritual gift. Each night after a full, and in my case, semi-humiliating day on the slopes, the youth group would gather together at the YMCA lodge where we were staying, sit in a big circle on the floor and debrief our day. I remember the first night together, my youth director circled us all up and said, okay kids, I wanna go around in a circle and I want everyone to answer the question, 
where have you seen God today? Where have you seen God today? On paper, that seems like a pretty straightforward question. But my seventh grade mind immediately began wondering, are we talking metaphors or angel sightings here? What does he mean, where have I seen God today? I looked around the circle, wondering if other people were feeling the same sense of rising panic I was. I thought to myself, is this some youth group initiation test? Is there some right answer I'm supposed to know? Did they teach this on the confirmation retreat last fall? I knew I should have signed up for that. Or does everyone else in the circle have some holy geotag on where God is in Winter Park? I was so confused. But as we went around the circle, my panic began to fade. People began telling stories about strangers who helped retrieve lost skis and poles up the mountain. One kid told a story about feeling embarrassed when he missed the ski lift exit. We've all been there. Only to realize that an upperclassman in the pod behind him intentionally stayed on the lift too, so that he didn't have to ride down alone. Several people told stories about the vastness of the sky and the way the mountains can take your breath away. And others spoke about laughter that was contagious and what a sacred gift that is to share with friends. And slowly but surely, Person by person, I realized what my youth director was asking. The question wasn't about angel sightings or divine coordinates. My youth director wasn't looking for a particular answer to the question, where have you seen God today? He was challenging us to look. He was challenging us to look for the good, to look for the holy, to look for love that surprises us, to look for things that take our breath away and to point it out and say that, that feels like God at work. My youth director wasn't looking for a right answer to the question. He was just trying to teach me how to look. I think it's the same reminder we get in our text for today. Our scripture passage today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2. It is the well-known story of the wise men. Now, despite how well-known these biblical characters are in our modern world, I mean, the Magi even end up in the Rockettes' Christmas Spectacular, we don't actually know that much about them. We don't know the wise men's names. We don't know where they came from specifically, only that it was somewhere in the east. We don't know how long they've been walking. We don't know if there were three or 30 of them. We don't really know what it means to be a wise man. 
Although scholars assume that probably meant they were dream interpreters or astrologers to the king, there's a lot we don't know. The gospel writer of Matthew gives us 16 verses of genealogy in chapter 1, an incredibly long and detailed list of family names. However, when it comes to chapter 2 and the story of the Magi, I can only assume that the gospel writer got a hand cramp because long gone are the details we found in the genealogy, and instead we find ourselves reading a fairly simple plot. There's a lot we don't know. But what we do know, one of the only details included in this story, is that the Magi go looking for God. I hear that youth group question echoed in our text for today. Where have you seen God? Matthew doesn't use those words exactly, but the wise men do roll into Jerusalem and ask Herod, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? It almost sounds as if they're saying, have you seen him? Have you seen him today? The Magi go looking for God. It's a detail that I love. And I can't help but wonder, is it one of the only details in the story because it's one of the only things the writer really needed us to hear? Did the writer leave out details like the Magi's names and the size of the caravan because none of that really compares to the fact that they went out of their way to look for God? I mean, picture it. The Magi did not stumble into Jerusalem. Bethlehem was not on the way to something. The trip wasn't convenient to schedule. They weren't in town to do some shopping. And hey, while we're here, might as well ask Herod, have you seen any new royalty recently? No. The Magi go out of their way. They load their camels they walk for who knows how long. They bring expensive gifts. They shade their eyes from the sun during the day and they pull out their maps of the sky by night. They do all of this because they are looking for God. Can you imagine what our life would look like if we looked for God with the same intentionality that they did, I want a faith like that. I wish I could stand up here and say that the most meaningful faith moments I've had in my life were because I, like the Magi, went looking for God. I wish I could say that I was better about walking towards Bethlehem, that I never lost sight of the star, that I have been as wise and intentional as they were. However, if I'm honest, it's often been the opposite. Many of the most meaningful faith moments I have had have existed because God came looking for me. 
Sure, there are a handful of things that I do with regularity that help me keep my eyes attuned to God's work in the world. For example, I come to church. I am committed to this community. I try to spend time in nature. I read poetry, which for me often feels like a prayer. And I write several times a week in my journal, all of which are things that help me pay attention to the spirit at work in this world. However, despite those habits, some of my most meaningful moments with the divine have come when I wasn't looking. When out of the blue, I realized that God was looking for me. I'll give you an example. Earlier this year, I planned and led a spiritual pilgrimage for a group of college students. We traveled by train through the western part of the United States and eventually spent a couple of days hiking the Grand Canyon. When we finally arrived at the canyon's edge, our group climbed out of the train, eager to stretch our legs and began walking the rim of the canyon. I'll never forget one of my students about halfway through that first hike came up to me and said, Sarah, I know the Bible says that God is in most everything, but is God in the water? And so we talked about creation and the waters of baptism and Jesus walking on water. And then he asked, is God in fire? And we talked about Pentecost and the cloud of smoke that led the Israelites through the wilderness. And then he said, do you think God is in the wind? Later that evening, our group found a quiet place along the Grand Canyon's rim for a sunset devotional. It's my favorite memory from the whole trip. One of my colleagues instructed the group to spread out along the edge with instructions to spend 20 minutes just sitting still, writing in our journals or praying or enjoying the sunset over the canyon. I walked away from the group for a bit and found a quiet place on my own along the edge. It took all of us a while to find a place to sit, but as soon as we got settled, I heard it, a gust of wind. It started in the tree branches below, seeming to come up out of thin air, and then it came rushing through our group. I remember laughing to myself with awe as the wind picked up my hair and tossed open the pages of my journal and brought goosebumps to my skin. It left as quickly as it came. But the first thing I wrote in my journal that night was, yes, God is in the wind. It's a moment I won't soon forget because it was one of those holy moments where it felt like God had come looking for me. Friends, I have no doubt that God comes looking for us. I'm sure you've had those moments too. Sometimes we feel it here at church. Sometimes we feel it when we are way out of town under the stars. 
We almost always feel it the first time we hold a newborn. God always has a way of coming to us. That is abundantly clear to me. However, I don't want a faith where I stand still and simply wait for God to come to me. As magical and awe-inspiring as those holy moments are, I don't want a faith that feels one-sided. I don't want a faith built like a one-way street. I don't think God wants that either. I want a faith that looks like that of the Magi. I want a faith that requires me to roll up my sleeves, to look for the star, to walk day after day, even when the path is unclear. I want a faith that inspires me to go about my days looking for God, trusting that eventually God is who we will find. The text tells us that when the stars stopped over Bethlehem, the Magi were overjoyed. Can you picture it? The Magi suddenly getting a late night burst of energy as they realize that they have found what they are looking for. The news rippling down the line, the star has stopped. We think the star has stopped past the telescope. Can't you imagine them jumping up and down, hooting and hollering, clapping their hands, breaking out in song and dance right there in the desert because they went looking for God and God is who they found. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're probably saying to yourself, yeah, that sounds lovely, but faith is easier said than done, preacher. It's a whole lot easier just to wait at the edge of the canyon for those goosebump moments. I get it. Some of us spend our whole lives looking for God. Some of us spend our whole lives chasing after that star, and we never feel like we make it to Bethlehem. I know that. I grieve that. The journey of faith can be a complicated one, and I am not here to tell those people that they need to look harder. No, those folks are already seeking. I am speaking to the rest of us. This sermon is for those who, like me, sometimes forget that we can go chasing after that star in the first place. I'm speaking to those of us who sometimes leave our faith up to the Grand Canyon moments as if that's all we've got. That's not all we've got. I'm speaking to those of us who get distracted doing a million other good and important things, but then at the end of the day realize we never once reached for God. That's not the faith I want for myself. I have no doubt that God will keep showing up at the edge of the Grand Canyon and on youth trips in Winter Park, Colorado, and right here in this room and in a million other holy places, thanks be to God. But this year, I also want to be better about cultivating a faith that goes looking for God in return. We don't have to wait at the edge of the canyon. We can be like the Magi. We can go looking. 
a few years ago, right before the pandemic started, probably sometime close to March 14th, I got a call at work. I was in my office. It was one of my last days in my office, but I didn't know that at the time. I got a call on my cell phone from a friend. She never called during work hours, so when her name flashed up on my screen, I knew something was up. I picked up the phone and said, hey, I'm at work. What's going on? The voice on the other end was quiet. She said, Sarah, they sent us home today. I'm watching the news. This coronavirus looks like it's going to be bad. They're predicting a lot of people might die. It's a crazy number. Have you seen the news, Sarah? Have you seen the news? I'm scared. I could hear the seriousness in her voice. I said, I'm scared too. And then she said, to make matters worse, all this talk about a rising death toll has made me wish that I believed in God, and I feel guilty about that. She said, I know that faith isn't just something you pick up during a crisis, but Sarah, do you think if I tried to find God now that I could? Do you think, she said, God would want me? Do you think I could find God? Do you think I could get there? Where in the world would I start? My friend was asking the same question that the Magi were asking, which is what we all ask at some point or another. Can you show me where God is? I'm looking for God. There's a star and it's rising. Can you point me in the right direction? How do I get to Bethlehem? I want to strengthen my faith. So have you seen God? Have you seen God today? So here's what I want to say to all of us as we begin a new year. If we did absolutely nothing, God would still keep looking for us. God will never stop searching for us. When we ask the question, where do I start? God is already on the way. And my, what a gift that is. But if we want to multiply our joy, if we want to nurture our faith, then I think we could learn a lesson from the Magi on how to be intentional in our seeking. And fortunately for us, there are a lot of ways to do that. Maybe for you, looking for God in 2022 would be as simple as asking the question, where have I seen God today every night at the dinner table? Or if you are someone who finds God in creation, then maybe you plan some time outdoors. If you are someone who finds God around dinner tables, then one, it's safe. Make sure you start inviting people over, whether or not that chicken recipe is perfected. If you are someone who finds God in music, then don't miss a choir concert here because it will lift your spirit up. If you are someone who finds God in words, then start with a gratitude list of five things each day or a few free writing pages of prayer each morning. You'll be amazed what you start to notice. If you are someone who finds God in your relationship, then maybe this is the year to prioritize joining a community group or just inviting friends over a little more often. Friends, there's no one right way to look for God. 
but we have to start somewhere. So may we learn from the Magi. May we be intentional in our seeking. May we walk into this new year with our eyes opened, heads turned towards the stars, feet moving towards Bethlehem, always asking ourselves, where is God alive in the world? For I am confident that if we do that, there will be dance parties in the deserts, moments of deep overflowing joy. The Magi asked, where is the one who's been born King of the Jews? We saw the star in its rising. We have come to worship, so have you seen him? Have you seen him today? What will your answer be? Amen. Family of faith, as you leave this place and go out into the new year, may you love as if love is not a scarcity. May you hope like there is a better tomorrow. May we live like we belong to one another, because we do. And may you trust that nothing can separate you from the love of God. In the name of the lover, the beloved, and love itself, go out looking and go enjoy.